Hey there. Today's story is about whether it's possible for a healthcare company to make enough people mad enough that there are actual consequences. And spoiler, the answer may be yes. One person who got pretty mad was an arm and a leg listener named Jessica, who wrote to us. Our producer, Emily P. Secreto, spoke to Jessica, got the whole story, and we've come to find out Jessica is not the only one who's noticed something fishy with this company. Hey, Emily. Hey, Dan. This story starts where a lot of healthcare stories start, at the OBGYN. Jessica had just found out she was pregnant. She and her partner had been trying to have a baby for years, and she'd recently experienced a pregnancy loss. So she was feeling cautiously optimistic when she went for her eight-week scan. Um, so that's the first kind of big appointment. They call that the confirmation appointment, um, where we got our first ultrasound. That's also where we discovered we were having twins. Um, so it was a, I know, <laughs> pretty exciting appointment. It was at this same super eventful appointment that her doctor said, hey, at your next appointment, the 12-week checkup, we can do this new thing, non-invasive prenatal testing. What they said was, you know, it screens for um, some trisomy disorders like Down syndrome, and it could also tell you the sex of the babies. He said insurance usually doesn't cover this test, but out of pocket, it's only $99. Jessica mulled it over. Since I'm geriatric, um, or 35, uh, we decided it's better to know about those chromosomal abnormalities just because there's a slightly higher risk as, as you get a little bit older. But we were also, I mean, very eager to know the sex. So we decided $100 was, that, that was worth it to us. So Jessica gets the test. And if you think she just got a bill for $99 and it was over, well, welcome to this show. This is An Arm and a Leg, a show about why healthcare costs so freaking much and what we can maybe do about it. I'm Dan Weissman. I'm a reporter. I like a challenge. So our job on this show is to take one of the most enraging, terrifying, depressing parts of American life and bring you something entertaining, empowering, and useful. And this week's story, the story of Jessica and what happened next, definitely energizing. So, Emily, Jessica got the blood test, this $99 non-invasive prenatal test. Then what? So on a Monday, she has her 12-week scan. Everything is good. And she gets her blood taken for the non-invasive prenatal testing. Afterward, she gets a card from the doctor's office to use to register her test with the company that performs them, a company called Natera. A couple days later, Natera emails her. They say they got the samples. Cool. And a couple days after that, a cost estimate arrives. It said that my estimate was $250 instead of the 99 Wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, so Jessica's doc quoted her 99 bucks for this test, and here's a bill for 250 And at the very bottom of the page, in uh, pretty small print, it said, basically, if this estimate is different than what you expected, call this number. So I obviously immediately called that number. <laughs> she says it takes her a while to actually get a hold of anyone at Natera. And when she does, they tell her the company has special promotions with certain providers to sell the test for $99 instead of $250. And they want to know if she's ready to pay that $99 on the spot. And she's like, hmm, let me think about it. I, I was like in the midst of, you know, visiting with family, like we were telling them our good news, et cetera. So I, I didn't want to spend a lot of time haggling with them, which it felt like that was going to happen. A couple days later, she gets another message from them. Pay this $250 now. Or basically that offer expires in about a week. Um, and if you don't pay it within that time frame, then you owe us $800. So in the span of a week, the cash price for this test went from 99 bucks to 250 back to 99 and now to 800 bucks. 
And Jessica had been thinking she'd have to pay out of pocket for this test based on what her doctor had told her. They don't take insurance, blah, blah, blah. But in the meantime, she heard from one of her coworkers that their insurance had covered it. And so even though they didn't have the same kind of insurance, that gave Jessica the idea to at least try it. She calls Natera again, asked them what her out-of-pocket cost would be if they ran the test through insurance. And that's when they told me, if we do that, you'll get charged the $800. Like, flat out. They're like, by the time that they would process it, it would cost you $800 when they deny it. And then she asked them, well, can I at least get an itemized bill? I mean, how can I tell whether insurance is going to cover it without an actual bill with, you know, actual billing codes for services provided? Because, you know, Jessica is no fool. Right? I feel like she could make this show. Absolutely. But anyway, she says the Natera rep tells her, no, they don't have an itemized bill for her at this time, and it would take a while for them to have it. Basically, if you want a bill, it's going to cost you more money to get a bill from us. Which, again, all of these things are just raising flags in my head of, like, this is a shady practice. And as all this is getting sorted out, Jessica's like, let me Google these Natera people. And what she finds is a ton of reviews on places like Yelp and the Better Business Bureau. It turns out she's not the only one who has experienced what she now calls the genetic testing bait and switch. Women who just say, yes, I just paid the $350. I just paid the $250. Like, oh, I would have loved it if it was only $99. So like just overwhelming like responses of women just paying whatever their quote unquote discount urgent pricing was. Natera told us that they strive to provide affordable access and to be transparent about costs. They say most patients have a positive experience. But there are all those bad reviews out there, and Jessica is certainly not the only one to notice them. At the beginning of this year, Natera's billing practices got the attention of some new people, and not exactly the kind of attention you really want if you're a publicly traded company. That's right after this. This episode of An Arm and a Leg is produced in partnership with Kaiser Health News. That's a nonprofit newsroom covering healthcare in America. Kaiser Health News is not affiliated with the giant healthcare player Kaiser Permanente. We'll have more information about Kaiser Health News at the end of this episode. So, for Natera and its shareholders, bad online reviews aren't great, but that's something a lot of businesses deal with. And for whatever it's worth, Natera does have an A-plus profile rating on the Better Business Bureau for their responses to those complaints. But earlier this year, some other folks started crying foul on Natera, the kind of people who can really cause some problems for them. That's short sellers. These are folks who bet against a stock and make money only if the stock price drops. These short sellers, a firm called Hindenburg Research, were betting against Natera betting that their billing practices were so out of line that the company's stock was way overvalued and would eventually tank. With a little extra nudge from them. In early March, they published an investigation into Natera, building on interviews with unnamed former employees and industry experts, and analyzing Medicare billing data. And according to their report, what Jessica experienced is the bread and butter of Natera's business. Yeah, listen to this from their conclusion. Quote, The company's approach to revenue growth seems to be reliant on deceiving insurance companies and terrorizing expectant mothers with sticker shock bills and aggressive collection practices, unquote. Whoa. Oh, did you catch the words deceiving insurance companies in all that? Yeah. Hindenburg's report also describes what they call a Natera scheme to rook insurance companies into paying for tests. And here's where we should say that 
we haven't independently verified all of the claims in Hindenburg's report. And when we asked Natera about it, the company gave us a statement to the effect of, duh, Hindenburg makes money by talking smack about us if people believe them and our stock takes a hit. Natera told us, we responded to that crap immediately. Yeah, but that response doesn't address what Jessica called bait-and-switch pricing and what Hindenburg called, quote, sticker shock bills and aggressive collection practices. And when it comes to sussing out companies that are up to no good, so far Hindenburg has a decent track record. Um, a lot of the companies that they have targeted have turned out to be exactly what they claim that they are. That's Andrew Rice. He's a contributing editor at New York Magazine. Earlier this year, he wrote a profile of Hindenburg and its founder, Nate Anderson, who the magazine dubbed the last sane man on Wall Street. Hindenburg originally caught Andrew's eye when it bet big against a company called Nikola. That's an electric vehicle company that was getting buzzed for its potential to revolutionize trucking. At one point, the company's stock price was valued more than Ford and Chrysler combined, despite not having produced any actual products. Nate Anderson at Hindenburg found the whole thing really fishy. Like a lot of investigations, it sounds like it started with a kind of intuition on Nate Anderson's part that not everything here was adding up. Things really came to a head when Nicola released a dramatic promo video. Picture this. The American West. A wide open road. And a giant truck called the U.S. Express gliding across the landscape. I mean, that truck is moving. Well, Hindenburg wasn't so sure. What Hindenburg, acting on a tip, was able to figure out is that this vehicle was not, in fact, operating under its own power or battery power or any kind of renewable energy as as purported, but rather was actually uh, rolling down the hill under the force of gravity. Eventually, Nikola admitted to faking the video. The government charged the firm with securities fraud, and they settled those charges for $125 million. And Hindenburg Research hasn't publicly stated how much it made on the Nikola short, but it was clearly the right bet. Nikola's stock started tumbling right after the report came out. And it seems the report on Natera had much the same effect on their stock price. Ooh, not good for Natera. Right now, their stock is valued at half of where it was when the year started. But to be fair, not all the credit goes to Hindenburg, which announced its bet against Natera in March. The company's stock had already taken a huge beating in January, when Natera and others in the non-invasive prenatal testing business found themselves on the front page of the New York Times. The headline, tests predicting rare disorders in fetuses usually wrong. Ooh, yeah. The lead journalist on that story was a friend of the show, Sarah Cliff. And the story ran the day after New Year's. I had a hard deadline of having a baby a few weeks later. Yeah, but her own pregnancy was not the only reason Sarah had been thinking about non-invasive prenatal testing. If you aren't familiar with Sarah's work, she's best known for stories based on a wild medical bills, Reader's Center. There's a reason we're friends. <laughs> and readers had been sending her stories like the one Jessica sent to us about prenatal testing companies. But in this case, Sarah's reporting took a different turn. I had a very smart editor who suggested, well, why don't we look into how these tests perform and what are people actually getting for those bills? So Sarah got with some researchers and combined data from multiple studies to get the most accurate read possible on the value of these tests offered by Natera and its competitors. And what they found was that when it comes to certain things, the tests really do seem to work, like screening for Down syndrome, which is what the tests were initially designed for. Same for certain other trisomy disorders. And the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists does recommend this type of screening. But there are newer tests, often tests for 
small pieces of missing chromosomes called microdeletions that in some cases we found most of the positive results are wrong. For some conditions, these positive results were wrong 85% of the time. So I get a positive result, but there's only a 15% chance that it's right? Yeah, that's kind of the point of Sarah's story. That's a lot of strife for patients who you know, are being told that their future child has a pretty significant developmental disease, who have to spend a lot of money on follow-up testing, You know, some of them pretty seriously considering terminating their pregnancy if it's true. Natera had a statement for us, throwing heavy shade on the New York Times. For one thing, the company noted that the Times had, quote, issued multiple corrections to its story. Yeah, well, two, and sure, two is a multiple of one, but of those corrections, the first had to do with the location of the headquarters of one of the companies. And the other? Well, basically, the New York Times wrote that positive test results for the microdeletion that causes one particular syndrome were right about 20% of the time, industry-wide. But Natera contends that their test is giving false positives only 50% of the time. So wait, that's their big dunk on the New York Times? Like, that paper didn't give us credit for only returning false positives half the time. Yeah, I'm not sure I personally would have led with that. Natera also said to us that the Times story misrepresented what they do and that, quote, rebuttals from the medical and scientific community have been swift and strong. Yeah, I'm not really seeing that. I mean, some well-credentialed folks did have a quibble with the Times saying that false positives were wrong. They said these are screening tests to see if there might be a problem, not diagnostic tests to see if there is one for sure. And they said, of course, you need good genetic counseling, which, as some of them admitted, is in short supply. And in April, the FDA issued a public warning about prenatal tests like Natera, saying patients should not make decisions based on these tests alone. And they reminded the public these tests are not actually subject to FDA review. Still, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists now recommends these tests for all pregnancies and says insurance should pay for them. Natera says more and more insurers are covering the tests. Yeah, Natera is definitely trying to reassure investors with that info. But at this moment, their stock is still in a slump after Hindenburg's report on their business practices. Which, by the way, all stemmed from people taking note of patients' outrage over bills. Maybe a little justice. Maybe. And as for Jessica, she ended up having to make a ton of phone calls to her doctor's office, who sent her to a Natera rep who no longer worked there, back to the doctor, insurance, you know the drill. How many hours is it that Americans spend on the phone with insurance? We did an episode about this. Yeah, it's 12 million hours a week, and it does not count all the time we spend on the phone with people like Natera. Right. Well, ultimately, insurance did cover Jessica's tests from Natera. And because everything is upside down in this healthcare system, Natera made more from Jessica's insurance company than the 250 that they were trying to get her to pay. Wait, really? How much? Her insurance paid $651. Oh, God. And now Jessica's out there warning other pregnant people in her life about the whole bait and switch, telling them to check with their insurance before they cave and pay out of pocket for a Natera test. Don't let that timeline stress you out uh, that they give you this arbitrary week that you have to pay this bill. Yeah, it almost sounds like it's just like another piece of like folk knowledge that pregnant people pass between each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, beware of the troll under this bridge. Right, right. There are a lot of them, sadly, in, in healthcare in general, but I'm finding a lot of them during pregnancy that I didn't know existed. Yeah, Emily, that is such an apt metaphor for so much of what we cover on this show. Trolls demanding who knows what amount of money just to let us live, try to be healthy. 
And in this case, thanks to people like Jessica who pipe up, reporters like Sarah Cliff, and some dudes trying to make a buck on Wall Street, this particular... Hmm, We're going to call him a troll? I mean, it's a metaphor. This one company, at least, is for right now looking some wounds. Right. We'll be back in three weeks with another episode. Till then, take care of yourself. This episode of An Arm and a Leg was produced by Emily Pisacreta with help from me, Dan Weissman, and edited by Marion Wang. Daisy Rosario is our consulting managing producer. Adam Raimunda is our audio wizard. Our music is by Dave Weiner and Blue Dot Sessions. Gabrielle Healy is our managing editor for audience. She edits the first eight hit newsletter. B. Bosco is our consulting director of operations, and Sarah Balama is our operations manager. This season of An Arm and a Leg is a co-production with Kaiser Health News. That's a nonprofit news service about healthcare in America. It's an editorially independent program of the Kaiser Family Foundation. KHN is not affiliated with Kaiser Permanente, the big healthcare outfit. They share an ancestor, the 20th century industrialist Henry J. Kaiser. When he died, he left half his money to the foundation that later created Kaiser Health News. You can learn more about him and Kaiser Health News at armandalegshow.com slash Kaiser. Diane Weber is national editor for broadcast at Kaiser Health News, and Emery Hooteman is a correspondent there. They're editorial liaisons to this show. Thanks to Public Narrative. That's a Chicago-based group that helps journalists and nonprofits tell better stories for serving as our fiscal sponsor, allowing us to accept tax-exempt donations. You can learn more about Public Narrative at www.publicnarrative.org. Those donations support this show. If you're not a donor yet, we'd love to have you. Come on by to www.armandlegshow.com slash support. Thank you.